Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse to the link at top, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same drop-down, there's an option to subscribe to have both the daily text reading and the lesson for the day sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from 9.15 to um, 10.45 a.m. Eastern. And let's see now, I forgot where I'm at. My name is Lori Cameron. Yeah, this call is from 9.15 to 10.45 a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading of Chapter 19, Beyond the Body, with, let's see, Section 5, The Obstacles to Peace, Subsection A, the first obstacle, the desire to get rid of it, which also includes this section today, the attraction of guilt. We're also mindful of our lesson today, which is Review Lesson 217. Like all the review lessons in Review 6, it is surrounded by the idea, I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. Today, reviewing Lesson 217, it can be, but my gratitude I earn. And by way of opening this morning, I was very directly led to this from the book The Gifts of God by Helen Schuckman and the prayer or the poem is called Dedication for an Altar. Temples are where God's holy altars are, and he has placed an altar in each son whom he created. Let us worship here in thankfulness that what he gives to one, he gives to all and never takes away. For what he wills has been forever done. Temples are where a brother comes to pray and rest a while. Whoever he may be, he brings with him a lighted lamp to show. My Savior's face is there for me to see upon the altar and remember God. My brother, come and worship here with me. It can be but my gratitude I earn. Amen. Why, amen. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you. Thank you, Laurie. Yeah. I think today's reading will, will underscore why that was a great opening. Anyway, here's our reading list this morning. We have Lee, Yvonne, Robin Marie, Jessica, Patricia, Lemoyne, Fran, Lana, and Micah. And we're joined in listening this morning by Karen. Is there anyone else who's joined the call? And I don't see anyone else, so thank you all. And so we'll get underway. In Chapter 19, Beyond the Body, Section 5, The Obstacles to Peace, today we're reading The Attraction of Guilt, Paragraph 49. The attraction of guilt produces fear of love, for love would never look on guilt at all. 
It is the nature of love to look upon only the truth, for there it sees itself with which it would unite in holy union and completion. As love must look past fear, so must fear see love not. For love contains the end of guilt as surely as fear depends on it. Love is attracted only to love. Overlooking guilt completely, it sees no fear. Being holy without attack, it could not be afraid. Fear is attracted to what love sees not. And each believes that what the other looks upon does not exist. Fear looks on guilt with just the same devotion that love looks on itself. And each has messengers which they send forth and which return to them with messages written in the language in which they're going forth was asked. We. Chapter 19. <laughs> Chapter 19, Beyond the Body. Section 5, Obstacles to Peace. Subsection A and uh, the conclusion of the first obstacle, the attraction of guilt. The attraction of guilt produces fear of love, for love would never look on guilt at all. It is the nature of love to look only upon the truth, for there it sees itself with which it would unite in holy union and completion. As love must look past fear, so must fear see love not. For love contains the end of guilt as surely as fear depends on it. Love is attracted only to love. Overlooking guilt completely, it sees no fear. Being wholly without attack, it could not be afraid. Fear is attracted to what love sees not, and each believes that what the other looks upon does not exist. Fear looks on guilt with just the same devotion that love looks on itself. And each has messengers which they send forth and which return to them with messages written in the language in which they're going forth, was asked. 50. Love's messengers are gently sent and return with messages of love and gentleness. The messengers of fear are harshly ordered to seek out guilt and cherish every scrap of evil and of sin which they can find losing none of them on pain of death and laying them respectfully before their Lord and Master. Perception cannot obey two masters, each asking for messages of different things in different languages. What fear would feed upon, love overlooks. What fear demands, love cannot even see. Thank you, Lee, and Devon. Thank you, Lauren.
love's messengers are gently sent and return with messages of love and gentleness. The messengers of fear are harshly ordered to seek out guilt and to cherish every scrap of evil and of sin which they can find, losing none of them on pain of death and laying them respectively before their Lord and Master. Perception cannot obey two masters, each asking for messages of different things in different languages. What fear would feed upon, love overlooks. What fear demands, love cannot even see. The fierce attraction which guilt holds for fear is wholly absent from love's gentle perception. What love would look upon is meaningless to fear and quite invisible. Relationships in this world are the result of how the world is seen. And this depends on which emotion was called on to send its messengers to look upon it and return with word of what they saw. Fear's messengers are trained through terror, and they tremble when their master calls upon them to serve him. For fear is merciless, even to its friends. Its messengers steal guiltily away in hungry search of guilt, for they are kept cold and starving and made very vicious by their master, who allows them to feast only upon what they return to him. No little shred of guilt escapes their hungry eyes, and in their savage search for sin, they pounce on any living thing they see and carry it screaming to their master to be devoured. Thank you. Thank you, Yvonne. And Robin Marie. Fifty-one. The fierce attraction which guilt holds for fear is wholly absent from love's gentle perception. What love would look upon is meaningless to fear and quite invisible. Relationships in this world are the result of how the world is seen. And this depends on which emotion was called on to send its messengers to look upon it and return with word of what they saw. Fear's messengers are trained through terror and they tremble when their master calls upon them to serve him. For fear is merciless even to its friends. Its messengers steal guiltily away in hungry search of guilt, for they are kept cold and starving and made very vicious by their master, who allows them to feast only upon what they return to him. No little shred of guilt escapes their hungry eyes. And in their savage search for sin, they pounce on any living thing they see and carry it screaming to their master to be devoured. 52. Send not these savage messengers into the world to feast upon it and to prey upon reality. For they will bring you word of bones and skin and flesh. They have been taught to seek for the corruptible 
and to return with gorges filled with things decayed and rotted. To them, such things are beautiful because they seem to allay their savage pangs of hunger, for they are frantic with the pain of fear and would avert the punishment of him who sends them forth by offering him what they hold dear. Thank you, Robin Marie and Jessica. Thanks, Marie. <clears throat> 52. Send not these savage messengers into the world to feast upon it and to prey upon reality, for they will bring you word of bones and skin and flesh. They have been taught to seek for the corruptible and to return with gorges filled with things decayed and rotted. To them, such things are beautiful because they seem to allay their savage pangs of hunger. For they are frantic with the pain of fear and would avert the punishment of him who sends them, as him who sends them forth by offering him what they hold dear. The Holy Spirit has given you love messengers to send instead of those you train through fear. They are as eager to return to you what they hold dear as are the others. If you send them forth, they will see only the blameless and the beautiful, the gentle and the kind. They will be as careful to let no little act of charity no tiny exception of forgive, expression of forgiveness, no little breath of love escape their notice. And they will return with all the happy things they find to share them lovingly with you. What I can do. And he said, Be not afraid of them. They offer you salvation. There's are the messages of safety, for they see the world as kind. Thank you, Jessica and Patricia. Thank you. 53. The Holy Spirit has given you love messengers to send instead of those you trained through fear. They are as eager to return to you what they hold dear as are the others. If you send them forth, they will see only the blameless and the beautiful, the gentle and the kind. They will be as careful to let no little act of charity, no tiny expression of forgiveness, no little breath of love escape their notice. And they will return with all the happy things they found to share them lovingly with you. Be not afraid of them. They offer you salvation. 
Theirs are the messages of safety, for they see the world as kind. 54. If you send forth only the messengers the Holy Spirit gives you, wanting no messages but theirs, you will see fear no more. The world will be transformed before your eyes. Cleanse of all guilt and softly brushed with beauty. The world contains no fear. No fear which you had laid upon it. And none you cannot ask. Love's messengers to remove it from it and see it still. The Holy Spirit has given you his messengers to send to each other and returned to each with what love sees. They have been given to replace the hungry dogs of fear you sent instead and they go forth to signify the end of fear. Thank you, Patricia. And Lemoyne. If you send forth only the messengers the Holy Spirit gives you, wanting no messages but theirs, you will see fear no more. The world will be transformed before your sight, cleansed of all guilt, and softly brushed with beauty. The world contains no fear which you laid not upon it, and none you cannot ask love's messengers to remove from it and see it still. The Holy Spirit has given you his messengers to send to each other and return to each with what love sees. They have been given to replace the hungry dogs of fear you sent instead. And they go forth to signify the end of fear. Love, too, would set a feast before you on a table covered with a spotless cloth. Set in a quiet garden where no sound but singing and the softly joyous whispering is ever heard. This is a feast which honors your holy relationship and at which everyone is welcomed as an honored guest. And in a holy instant, grace is said by everyone together as they join in gentleness before the table of communion. And I will join you there as long ago I promised and promise still. For in your new relationship, am I made welcome. And where I am made welcome, there I am. Thank you, LeMoyne. And Fran.
Am I on mute? No. 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 Okay. Did I say Fran? Yes. Okay. We'll come back to you, Fran. Um, Let's see. Then Lana. Okay, sorry about that. Okay, um, 55. Love, too, would set a feast before you on a table covered with a spotless cloth, set in a quiet garden, where no sound but singing and a softly joyous whispering is ever heard. This is a feast which honors your holy relationship, and at which... Everyone is welcome as an honored guest. And in a holy instant, grace is said by everyone together as they join in gentleness before the table of communion. And I will join you there as long until I promised and promise still. For in your new relationship am I made welcome. And where I am made welcome, there I am. 56. I am made welcome in the state of grace, which means you have at last forgiven me. For I became the symbol of your sin, and so I had to die instead of you. To the ego, sin means death. And so atonement is achieved through murder. Salvation is looked upon as a way by which the Son of God was killed instead of you. Yikes. Thank you, Lana. And uh, Fran, are you able to read now? Okay, then Micah. Okay, Uh, 56. I am made welcome in the state of grace, which means you have at last forgiven me, for I became the symbol of your sin, and so I had to die instead of you. To the ego, sin means death, and to... And so atonement is achieved through murder. Salvation is looked upon as a way by which the Son of God was killed instead of you. 57. Yet would I offer you my body, you whom I love, knowing its littleness? Or would I teach that bodies cannot keep us apart? Mine was no greater value than yours, no better means for communication of salvation, but not its source. No one can die for anyone, and death does not atone for sin. Yet you can live to show it is not real. The body does appear to be the symbol of sin while you believe that it can get what you want. While you believe that it it can give you pleasure, you will also believe that it can bring you pain. 
Thank you, Micah. And Fran, are you able to read now? Okay, then is there a new reader for 57 and 58? This is Sandra, I can read. Thanks, Sandra. Yet would I offer you my body, you whom I love, knowing its littleness? Or would I teach that bodies cannot keep us apart? Mine was no greater value than yours, no better means for communication or salvation, but not its source. No one can die for anyone, and death does not atone for sin yet you can live to show it is not real. The body does appear to be the symbol of sin while you believe that it can get you what you want. While you believe that it can give you pleasure, you will also believe that it can bring you pain. 58. To think you can be satisfied and happy with so little is to hurt yourself and to limit the happiness that you would have calls upon pain to fill your meager store and make your lives complete. This is completion as the ego sees it, for guilt creeps in where happiness has been removed and substitutes for it. Communion is another kind of completion which goes beyond guilt because it goes beyond the body. Thank you, Sandra. And um, Fran, if you're available, could you finish with um, 58? Okay. Do we have a new reader for 58? Ida? Thanks, Ida. 58. To think you could be satisfied and happy with so little is to hurt yourself and to limit the happiness that you would have calls upon pain to fill your meager store and make your lives complete. This is completion as the ego sees it. For guilt creeps in where happiness has been removed and substitutes for it. Communion is another kind of completion which goes beyond guilt because it goes beyond the body. Amen. Thank you, Ida. Um, Well, here's an attempt to summarize the attraction of guilt. That first paragraph, the attraction of guilt produces fear of love, for love would never look on guilt at all. It is the nature of love to look upon only the truth, for there it sees itself, with which it would unite in holy union and completion. For love contains the end of guilt, as surely as fear depends on it. Love is attracted only to love. Overlooking guilt completely, it sees no fear. Being holy without attack, it could not be afraid. Fear is attracted to what love sees not, and each believes that what the other looks upon does not exist. Fear looks on guilt with just the same devotion that love looks on itself, 
and each has messengers which they send forth and which return to them with messages written in the language in which their going forth was asked. Fifty loves messengers are gently sent in return with messages of love and gentleness. The messengers of fear are harshly ordered to seek out guilt and cherish every scrap of evil and of sin which they can find, losing none of them on pain of death and laying them respectfully before their Lord and Master. Perception cannot obey two masters. What fear would feed upon, love overlooks. What fear demands, love cannot even see. In 51, the fierce attraction which guilt holds for fear is wholly absent from love's gentle persuasion. What love would look upon is meaningless to fear and quite invisible. Relationships in this world are the result of how the world is seen and this depends on which emotion was called on to send its messengers to look upon it and return with word of what they saw. In 53, the Holy Spirit has given you love's messengers to send instead of those you train through fear. They are as eager to return to you with what they hold dear as are the others. If you send them forth, they will see only the blameless and the beautiful, the gentle and the kind, and they will return with all the happy things they found to share them lovingly with you. Be not afraid of them. They offer you salvation. Theirs are the messengers of safety, for they see the world is kind. In 54, if you send forth only the messengers the Holy Spirit gives you, wanting no messages but theirs, you will see fear no more. The world will be transformed before your sight, cleansed of all guilt and softly brushed with beauty. The world contains no fear which you laid not upon it, and none you cannot ask love messengers to remove from it and see it still. The Holy Spirit has given you the messages, his messages, to send to each other and return to each with what love sees, and they go forth to signify the end of fear. 55, love too would set a feast before you, which honors your holy relationship and at which everyone is welcomed as an honored guest. In a holy instant, grace is said by everyone together as they join in gentleness before the table of communion. And I will join you there. As long ago I promised and promise still, for in your new relationship am I made welcome. And where I am made welcome, there I am. In 56, I am made welcome in the state of grace, which means you have at last forgiven me. In 57, I would teach that bodies cannot keep us apart. My body was no greater value than yours, no better means for communication of salvation, but not its source. No one can die for anyone, and death does not atone for sin. Yet you can live 
to show it is not real. In 58, communion is another kind of completion which goes beyond guilt because it goes beyond the body. Amen. The floor is open. Amen, Lori. That was fantastic. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. Thank you, Lori and everybody. This is Ida. Good morning. Um, I hate those attack attack dogs <laughs> of, of the ego because I like dogs and I hate to think of them that way. Um, I guess they don't call them dogs on this part. There's some other part where they do, but um, anyway... Um, but it makes the point, it makes the point, definitely, and that's um, what Jesus is here to do in this course. So every time we get to this place, I always just accept, <laughs> I always just accept that part of the, um, of the section. <laughs> Because I'm really glad that he gets to the messengers of the Holy Spirit who only see the blameless and the beautiful, the gentle and the kind. Thanks. I'm complete. Yeah, thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Good morning, everyone. Um, it's a beautiful morning here, uh, a little warm, but <laughs> um, the last 24 hours for me has been, uh, boy, I'm so glad this reading came today because it came to me as a perfect um, perfect moment, as it usually does. Um, what, and, I, and I have lots of my scribble notes in the margins too to remind me of things. And one of the things I'm reminded of is uh, Jesus tells us here in the Course and also in the Course of Love that um, there's only two emotions, emotions, love and fear. And, and so my response to those emotions become at least in my experience, more critical than what um, shows up as a demonstration, what messenger shows up as a demonstration of which one I unconsciously chose. Because I can only feel what's in my conscious awareness. So um, they they become the messengers in, in whether I take this emotion of fear and project it out onto the world I see and have its messengers reflect back to me that I chose it. Or, of course, I can respond to love and receive through my experience and my feelings the emotion of love reflected back to me. So whatever I automatically choose at an unconscious level the way it's brought into my awareness is by its messengers 
by what shows up in my experience. And not only that, but more importantly, what feelings arise. You know, when I don't confuse the feeling with the emotion, the feeling is my response to it. And that's what I, that's why I'm experiencing fear or anger because I responded to that emotion in kind. And so once I know that, I can then remedy it through forgiveness. I can see, oh, I've chosen wrongly because look what's showing up in my experience. I'm afraid or I'm angry. And that's just not a pleasant place to be. And, um, and it's amazing uh, in the experiences of healing how once I heal the cause, which I now send out messengers of love, I extend love instead of projecting fear all of a sudden the situation seems which are the effects that show up in my feelings all of a sudden they are healed as well as well as the situation that i thought the outward situation that i thought was the cause the source which it wasn't so it can get very confusing to me but i i like the um analogy of messengers because for me that's what perception is it gives me in my human experience a message for my mind and my heart that says you have chosen wrongly that's why you're feeling afraid you have chosen wrongly that's why you're feeling anger um choose again so now i get to send out messengers of love which remedy the whole situation and can return my mind to a peaceful state. And when that happens, you know, that peace extends. So my world becomes peaceful again. It gets, um, through practicing it, um, I, it gets to be very predictable. Yesterday I was, uh, or the day before yesterday, I was upset about something. So what shows up is pain in my back. <laughs> You know, and it, it has absolutely nothing to do with that, you know. So I spent a whole the whole evening or afternoon or mostly yesterday healing the pain in my back. And this morning I woke up and, was, and it was healed. But then yesterday I became angry about a situation with my roommates. And it just started the whole cycle over. So this morning I, I wake up and I get this desperate message from my daughter about a situation with her and her boyfriend. You know, so these messages are going out into the world. They're coming back. I'm choosing again. I'm healing it. And then something else will happen, and I'll react instead of responding with love, and another message will come back to me. (laughs) um, I really get to be the film editor of my movie, you know, when when I take responsibility for what I'm seeing in the world and bring my mind and my focus and attention back to uh, the place of healing, which for me is mission control. It's this present moment where I just kind of step back and and allow God to lead me home. Um, Because whether I'm in fear or anger, um, I'm insane, you know. So I, I just acknowledge that first, that if I'm experiencing this, I've given it a meaning that's 
either totally wrong or at least exaggerated to the state that it destroyed my peace in that moment. So um, the way he present, the way Jesus presents it here is um, has been quite helpful to me. So I'm complete. Sorry, didn't mean to go on so long. But it was perfect. Yes, oh, I yes. Did. wonderful. It Thank great. you, Lana. Thank you so much. Very practical. I love that you are so practical. Thank you. In my sane moments, <laughs> I'm practical. <laughs> yes, when, you're, when we're not insane, we're very good. <laughs> I'm just thinking yeah. that if we can keep it neutral, the thought, you know, not negative or positive, not, you know, insane or sane, if we can... if can only keep it neutral until we can send out messages of love that would change it. That's better than, you know, I mean, that's what I'm trying to do is just, okay, I have no idea what that means. I do not know what's happening. I'll just be loving and God will show me what it is or, you know, so... Anyway, thank you very much, Lana. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Robert Marie. Thank you. Wonderful. That is my strategy, too. Well, hey, we're at the top of the hour, guys. And what a perfect place uh, to give us a pause together at this table of grace. And Fran... um, I'm so glad you're here to share the reflection of the the hour with us. I'm back. I'm sorry. It was an important call. I put put it on hold. I didn't know it was going to stay on hold for half an hour. It was from a hospital about my brother. Ah. So, I'm sorry. All is well? Um, Oh, no, no, no. Well, we're getting there. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully. I can't drive for a while, though, so that makes it a little difficult, but we'll Uber. Um, okay, hi everybody. We are in the boy. We're getting close to the end of the first part. We're on review six, lesson two seventeen. It can be, but my gratitude I earn. And I'm going to read some from the original lesson, lesson one ninety seven. It is but my gratitude I earn. Here is the second step we take to free your mind from the belief in outside force pitted against your own. You make attempts at kindness and forgiveness, yet you turn them to attack again unless you find external gratitude and lavish thanks. Your gifts must be received with honor, lest they be withdrawn. And so you think God's gifts are loans at best, at worst, deceptions. How easily are God and guilt confused by those who know not what their thoughts can do? Deny your strength, and weakness must become salvation to you. Nor will you leave the prison house or claim your strength until guilt and salvation are not seen as one, and freedom and salvation are perceived as joined, with strength beside them, to be sought and claimed and found and fully recognized. The world must thank you when you offer it release 
from your illusions. It does not matter if another thinks your gifts unworthy. If his mind, in his mind, there is the part that joins with you in thanking you. God blesses every gift you give to him, and every gift is given him because it can be given only to yourself, and what belongs to God must be his own. Withdraw the gifts you give, and you will think that what is given you has been withdrawn. But learn to let forgiveness take away the sins you think you see outside yourself. And you can never think the gifts of God are lent but for a little while before he snatches them away again in death, for death will have no meaning for you then. And with the end of this belief is fear forever over. Thank your capital S self for this, for he is grateful only unto God. To everyone who lives will Christ yet come, for everyone must live and breathe in him. Thanks be to you, the Holy Son of God, for as you were created, you contain all things within yourself, and you are still as God created you. Give thanks as you receive it. Be you free of all ingratitude to anyone who makes yourself complete. And from the self is no one left outside. All that you do is given unto him. All that you think can only be his thoughts, sharing with him the holy thoughts of God. Earn now the gratitude you have denied yourself when you forgot the function God has given you. But never think that he has ever ceased to offer thanks to you. I will go over to Lesson 217. <clears throat> lesson 217. I am not a body. I am free. For I am still as God created me. It can be but my gratitude I earn. Who should give thanks for my salvation but myself? And how but through salvation can I find the self to whom my thanks are due? I am not a body. I am free. For I am still as God created me. And take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 217, 
I am not a body. I am free. For I am still as God created me. It can be but my gratitude I earn. Who should give thanks for my salvation but myself? And how, but through salvation, can I find the self to whom my thanks are due? I am not a body. I am free, for I am still as God created me. Amen. Amen. Wonderful, friend. So Thank you. Thank you, friend. Thank you, guys. So, friend. Morning, everyone. It's Lee. A couple thoughts on this uh, on this initial lesson, 197. It can be but my gratitude I earn. Um, the first line that uh, I feature is that beginning of paragraph two. How easily are God and guilt confused by those who know not what their thoughts can do. Isn't that interesting that um, until there's a healing, generally, um, that I invite, um, he points out that for most of us, there is this enormous confusion about how we relate to God and that it has um, a great deal to do with um, God reinforcing all that we believe uh, that guilt serves to teach or direct us in regard to how easily are God and guilt confused. If I just take that as an um, as uh, a caution, then I can really begin to inquire, Holy Spirit, how would you have me untangle? My confusion of God with some exalted form of guilt that I should be guided by. Um, and the rest is all about gratitude and how gratitude just weaves in and through. God is grateful to me for all that I'm grateful for and myself is grateful for every act of my gratitude and every uh, prompt of my gratitude, and I become grateful to God for an awareness, gathering awareness of myself in the recognition that my acquaintance with my genuine capital self is an invitation into my awareness of what he promises each and every one of us has in store by way of an acquaintance with Christ, where is it that he says in paragraph 7, to everyone who lives, will Christ yet come? For everyone must live and breathe in him. His being, Christ's being and his Father, is secure because their will is one. 
their gratitude to all they've created has no end, for gratitude remains a part of love. And that next line from paragraph 8, thanks be to you, the Holy Son of God, for as you were created, you contain all things within your capital self. And you're still as God created you. Or can you dim the light of your perfection? It's a gorgeous uh, lesson. And um, I'm really attracted to the way he frames it in these two sentences that are the review for Lesson 197. Who should give thanks for my salvation but myself? And how but through salvation can I find the capital self to whom my thanks are due? In that first line, I'm reminded I should and and can um, most genuinely give thanks for my salvation. And in the second line, recognize that it's by my salvation that I come to discover that self to whom my thanks are due. Um, the beautiful two sentences in this recap from Lesson 217. Thanks, I'm complete. Um, thank, thank you, you Lee. Thank, oh, thank you. Thank you, Lee. Thank, thank you, Lee. Yeah, beautiful. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. This is Sandra. And um, this lesson, I can it can be but my gratitude I earn. Who should give thanks for my salvation but myself? And how but through salvation can I find the true self to whom my thanks are due? So I think in, in this uh, couple of sentences, couple of question marks, it's a combination of spirit um, giving thanks to this communication device for being an extension of love and unity. And what it, what it, when I was listening to it, I, what came to my mind was, I am the holy child or son or daughter. Now, that's, it doesn't say I am a holy spirit of God. It says I am a holy child or son or daughter, however you want to put that. So that immediately makes me think it's a body. There's something that has to do with the body. Complete and healed and whole. So it's saying that this body can be complete and healed and whole, have a whole, a whole and a holy experience, and for what purpose? Wouldn't be to, to extend separation here on this planet, but it's here to be a communication device to extend healing, wholeness, unity, so my job here is to be 
complete because my my higher mind, my Holy Spirit inhabits this body. And this body is used to communicate and extend uh, holiness or healing or love or unity. That's it. That's the only function or purpose for this body. And and it's but this is but to me this is a very holistic approach. It's saying that <clears throat> I can't let my my lower mind, my lower self, be in charge of this communication device. I have to let my higher mind be in charge of this communication device. And so my willingness to do that is that it can be but my gratitude I earn. I'm complete. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And I'm really grateful for today's lesson, the second part of It Can Be But Myself I Crucify and It Can Be But My Gratitude I Earn. Um, had a happy accident <laughs> today. Um, I, I keep a notebook, an empty notebook on my desk every morning so that as we do these readings and look at the lessons. I have a blank page on which to record my impressions. And um, on today's blank page, I arrived at the very end of the notebook, um, the hardback cover of it that doesn't have any lines. And uh, I thought yesterday maybe I should get a new notebook, but I just folded it open and I'll go with this. And I'm so glad I did. Uh, because on this page without lines, um, I discovered I could make a recording of what I hear better. Because, um, well, because this this section, the attraction of guilt, uh, contains the whole end of perception and the arrival of perception at knowledge. This this section has the whole course right in it. And it was a happy accident that I was able to arrange my thinking uh, along the same lines that he's giving it. Because the peace itself, the attraction of guilt, is um, a very excellent comparison and contrast essay. And what's being compared and contrasted 
uh, are the two uh, two emotions, the two um, two types of perception, and how means and end are one. Oh boy, howdy! It's got the whole course. This section does, and so I arranged the page rather than going down by line. I arranged it with fear on one half and love on the other half. And in the middle of the page, knowing that the thought system of the ego is completely separate from the thought system of the Holy Spirit, they have no meeting place. In the middle of the page, I was able to see that he's talking about perception here and how perception can become so transformed that it arrives at knowledge. Knowledge being the capital S self that we all share. That knowingness that we belong to and are contained within each other part and parcel in this dream of our creator, our source. And so he's talking about messengers in the thought system of the ego, in the thought system of fear, where time is held together by the belief in sin. And that belief causes or results in fear. He is talking about how perception is ruled by faithlessness. Remember how this section started out with the messengers? Messengers, we can either see through the eyes of faith or see through the eyes of faithlessness. Faithlessness would divide and separate, would um, insist on separation. And faithlessness um, is always results in guilt and fear. The center of it is the belief in sin. That's the ego's thought system. And so faithlessness sends its messengers looking for exactly what it believes is there to be seen. Guilt and its consequent punishment, evil, all of which is returned to the ego by these messengers of faithlessness. In the thought system of truth, the messengers are faith. Remember how this, this section began with the Holy Spirit gives you faith. Faith is the messenger of love. Faith goes out and seeks for itself. It returns messages gently sent by faith. Faith is the gift of God, remember? And returns with love and gentleness. Then in paragraph 51, he says, the messengers trained by the ego of faithlessness are merciless, go looking for guilt and sin and return for punishment. But the messengers of love see no fear. They return without guilt and their perception is gentle. And then right in the middle of that paragraph, 
51, he says, relationships in this world depend on perception, depending upon which emotion are called upon. If I call upon the messengers of fear, those of faithlessness, my perception, um, which is projection, will return to me with exactly what I sent for if I'm seen with the eyes of the ego. Relationships depend on the perception which emotion is called upon. Then in paragraph 53, he says, the messengers of faithlessness are trained through fear, whereas faith, a gift of the Holy Spirit, gives us love's messengers. Faith is eager to return with blamelessness, the beautiful, gentle, kind, charity, the forgiveness. They return with happiness, reminding me of safety and salvation and see the world as kind. I'm starting to allow my mind to enter into the happy dream. Paragraph 54, the ego always, always experiences fear. Fear is, fear is the consequence of the belief in sin. Whereas, here's the really good part. The messengers sent with faith from the Holy Spirit want what do they want they see fear no more they see no guilt they return with kind perception kind perception remember how he talked about perception and projection he says perception is projection you see what you believe is there and you believe it's there because you want it there when I want the messengers of love, the messengers of faith, those are the messengers that will return to me what I sent for. Perception is a consequence, he says, and not a fact. It's a consequence of the messengers that I send. And then in 56, I want to say back in 54 and 55, he's showing me through this comparison and contrast how my perception can be so purifying when I see with my right mind using the messengers of faith. In 56, oh, I love that paragraph. Messengers of love will set a feast before you, honoring your holy relationship, and you will welcome gentleness. And Christ joins us there my perception is moving out of separation altogether and is a consequence of a different kind of projection. A different kind of projection from the messengers of faith. I'm starting to get a hint of what communion is, what true communion is, that one mind that we share, that same mind. In our lesson today, he calls it the capitalist self. And finally, in 56, I just love that. I think it, it might be in 57, I forget. My pages 
or started to run out of room on my on my page, you know, so I had to kind of slide stuff in. <laughs> but in 56, 57, and 58, somewhere in there, he says, you can live to show that death is not real. Acceptance of the atonement for myself cleans my mind of the belief in sin. Acceptance of the atonement for myself restores my mind the awareness that I was never separate from God, nor were you, <laughs> that creation is still contained within the mind of God, that we share a common relationship, a common holy relationship, that holy relationship that is the Son of God or a daughter of God, the Christ. That is our common relationship. And every relationship in which Christ has entered is holy. And it's no longer something that we perceive with the body's eyes at all, but rather it's the return of mind to that one mind that we share. Um, where finally perception is resolved altogether and we're restored to knowledge that this capital S self is our shared unity in the mind of God. And communion is complete beyond the body. He says, he says in here, Christ joins us and we can live to show that death is not real. Remember how he said the crucifixion had nothing to do with the atonement at all. But his part in the atonement was the resurrection. We need not believe in death at all. The final obstacle that peace must flow across is the fear of God and the resolution of the fact that there is no end. There is no end to this timeless communion that we share with each other that he calls our timeless, pure, loving, capital S self. Um, so I was really grateful that my page ran out of lines in the same way mm -hmm. my mind can run out of lines. And um, I think I'm complete. Thank you, everyone. Mm, thank you. Thank you, Lori. Oh, thank Lori, you, Lori. That was, that was, that was a beautiful great. meditation. Thank yeah. you, Lori. Thank you. Very complete. That was wonderful. Lori, I must have felt that um, stirring in you because when have I ever when have I ever asked after Franz review the lesson whether you had any thoughts on the lesson? And um, <laughs> just before you spoke, I, I was stirred to say, Lori, do you have any thoughts on the lesson? <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> wild? Yeah, no, not I'm at not all. Not sure if anybody else gets that, but I know you do. That was that was really the terrific. Reflection of the one mind. That was really wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Kristen. And I just wanted to sh hey, thank you. I just wanted to share um, some things that have been happening. 
So in the course of love, there's a line. I know we're not in the course of love, but it is all related. That says we just bring our mind back to I am dedicating all thoughts to union. So I have been practicing that as diligently as I can and being wholehearted in my interactions with people throughout the day. And I'm finding that when I do that, the reflection back is so bright and so beautiful. And when there's someone there who is receptive, that it just opens up this whole other dimension, they change their face, their light, everything. And by the time we're finished, we're hugging each other heart to heart, and it's just going in between us and outward. And I haven't ever experienced that to the effect to be able to put it in words, but that's what I'm experiencing in this moment in time, and I'm grateful to you all for being here and allowing me the space to listen and to apply in my daily life and my relationships because what I am discovering is that my relationship is with every single thing, the truck, the phone, my cake, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. And when I load the cakes, sometimes I'm in a very bad space, and I've been making it a point to have my practice before I go out at 3.30 in the morning to load them when it's cool or than other times. And this morning when I did that, I loaded them, like, with such ease and such grace and so much gratitude that it took probably 30 minutes less than I normally would. And I started it with, good morning, cakes, when I lifted up the door. And then before I knew it, I was finished. And it, and it didn't seem like it took any effort. And I'm just so grateful that you guys, that we are all here supporting each other. And you allowed me the time and the space to share that. Thank you so much. I love you all. I'm mm. Oh, that was phenomenal, Kristen. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So Thank great you. to hear, Kristen. Thank you. Thank it you. was a joy to hear. Thank Thanks, you. Kristen. Thank you. Thank you. We love you all too, Kristen. All of you. And you. I'm completely. I love you so much. I I never forgot about you. You're still you're still notated in my Facebook or somewhere in my in my little mini computer that is my phone. So if you have my phone number and you want to, give me a call sometime if you feel like it. I'm complete. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Ida. Thank you. I love
this is Ida again. Um, I was reading in Facebook recently about from A Course in Miracles uh, group about how a ceiling accomplished and this struck me, uh, this answer struck me um, from the text 25, uh, 3. The body needs no healing, but the mind that thinks it is a body is sick indeed. <laughs> so I think that what is true for healing our bodies is true for healing our relationships with everybody, with our work that we do in this world, and everything. Thanks. I'm complete. Mm, thank you. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Lee, again, as I read a section um, that is part of the first obstacle to peace, the desire to get rid of it, I read that I have an attraction to guilt. There's so much uh, in just the first several sentences of this section about this that he calls an attraction on my part to guilt. What could that be about? Well, if I just look at that first sentence, so much becomes clear. The first phrase leaves me questioning. The attraction of guilt produces fear of love. Boy, that scrambles the mind a little bit to try and conceive what he means by that. But he explains it in just the next phrase of that sentence. For love would never look on guilt at all. Oh, I see. If love would never look on guilt, then any attraction to guilt that I have for whatever reason makes me afraid of love because love would direct me not to look on that which I have an attraction for. So what can this section tell me about why I'm attracted to guilt so much so that I would fear love? Isn't that interesting? His follow-on helps make it clear it's the nature of love to look upon only the truth. So now I'm told my attraction to guilt is an attraction to looking on things as they are not because of some appeal that has to me. You guys hear a lot, uh, hear this a lot from me, but um, maybe it bears repeating. If I, if I'm looking, if I have an attraction to the grievance and the bitterness, um, the self-loathing or the guilt I carry, if I have an attraction to that, if my anger seeks 
within me a place that justifies that anger or I tell myself I'm just not ready to let it go. My bitterness toward God or toward life, I'm not ready to let that go. If I'm justifying on any level the condemnation I have at others or life or myself or God, fate or destiny, then I'm attracted to guilt because it's So all of that, everything, everything that makes me really justify is my attraction to give. I can't, I can't get away with condemning what love looks like. Just that second sentence of paragraph 49. It is the nature of love to look upon the truth. How willing am I? To be directed by love to look on only what's true. How much welcome can I give the idea that love is so great a gift to me that if I lean into it, it directs me to look on everything as it truly is, rather than as to be continued to be. Hey, Lee, you're falling you're fa- away, okay? Did your microphone shut? Not able to hear you, Lee. Oh, hmm. Thank you. Let me see why. Okay. That was okay. That's okay now. Okay. Um, one second, yeah. please. Do I have you back? Yep. Yeah. Okay, okay, so I'm in your... Okay. Sorry, an incoming yeah. series of calls just knocked the Bluetooth right out. Okay, guys, um, everything I'm everything I'm featuring about this uh, about this particular uh, section is that he tells me love is able to direct me to look upon what's true, and he does that in a simple single sentence. It's the nature of love to look upon only the truth. For there, love sees itself with which it would unite in holy union and completion. How about that? Everything love directs me to look upon, I can see as it genuinely is. And love would have me unite with everything love looks upon. I'm reminded of one simple feature of this Course in Miracles that has really served me, and I'm really grateful to A Course of Love for having featured and highlighted. Fear and love are not feelings so much as the only two emotions that define my response to what's true in this moment. I can respond to what's true in this moment with fear, in which case, I don't recognize the truth of it. I see it only through the messengers of fear. Or I can respond to what's true in this moment, both what's true without and what's true within, with love, in which case I'm directed 
by love to respond to what's true in this moment with love and acceptance and I'm able to join with instead of withhold myself from or recoil away from what's true. There's no greater gift of this course to my mind than to be told I have access within me to an embrace of love whose purpose and whose gift is that it reveals to me what's true about myself, about how I feel, and about everything I'll ever encounter. That I need not be directed any longer by ego to respond to what's in front of me through fear and justify somehow what fear has told me in that tight loop of um, expectation and and um, and a reinforcement where what I see is worth my faithlessness because faithlessness blinded me to everything that would have stirred my faith where everything appears fearful and reinforces my belief in its fearfulness because I've relied on fear as my response to everything I see. Oh boy, it's such a tight loop and now I'm told I can break free of that loop when I recognize there are love's messengers I could as easily rely upon, but I need release my faith in what fear has taught me about the nature of the world and what fear has led me to justify about my unforgiveness toward all things. This is the movement of forgiveness. This is the movement of having uh, an awareness gather in me that my small self is the result of what fear has taught me is true about my own guilt and shame and about how faulty is the world and each of you. All of that combined has led to a mistaken small sense of self and love in its um, direction that I join with all I see as it truly is, with love's messengers defining how I see everything, makes me grand. It makes me full and complete. It's the nature of love to look upon only the truth, for there it sees itself with which it would unite in holy union and completion. That's the great, great difference between love and fear as the two responses available to me, the two emotions, the two responses available to me for everything both within me in this moment and without. Um, Two different worlds emerge from those two. And don't you just love all the descriptions he offers in this section for how bright, brushed with beauty, gentle and kind is the world that love would lay a feast before me in welcome to. Thanks, everyone. I'm complete. That was thank you. Sure was. And, and thank you, Ida, too. I was away from my computer. Thank you both.
Thank you. That was gorgeous, Lee. Thank you. Thank you, Ross. Thanks, everyone. Uh, this is Micah. I um, thank you, Lori, for highlighting uh, the the aspect of mind, uh, you know, and, and the self, and that that level of communication, and that that's kind of a part that struck me strongly too. Is that last sentence in the last paragraph? Communion is another kind of completion which goes beyond guilt because it goes beyond the body. And uh, it was kind of uh, reflected, that movement of beyond the body was kind of reflected in paragraph 52, just kind of lightly, where the messengers of guilt, um, they they bring you words, word of bones and skin and flesh. Because, you know, it's just guilt is only looking at the dream and the dream of bodies and the playing out of these uh, dramas, you know, through the ego lens. But I, I also love how with the Holy Spirit, you know, he speaks of this vision, you know, as we send out love's messengers, uh, you know, then we see uh, the bl- only the blameless and the beautiful and the gentle and the kind, um, and they will let, they will be as careful not to let you know no act of charity or tiny expression of forgiveness, no little breath of love escape their notice, and it, it's wonderful how it works that way. Um, it, it's it, anyhow, I uh, that movement again into that communication that's beyond the body is is intriguing, and um, I wanted I wanted to kind of curve back onto an experience that happened earlier this morning, where again that was like movement out of body identification in into this invitation for the experience of mind to become um to reveal itself and uh it it's interesting to see how it kind of it hides so well in my awareness I, you know I'm sitting here and Pretty much what I see is is my identification into a body, you know, into the feeling of a mica. And yet I know that this mind is here, and and we're sharing it through the Holy Spirit's vision. And um, but the, earlier this morning, the movement into it was so profound, you know, it was so easy and so profound. So I just want to share because maybe it would spark in in some of us you know a re you know a movement back into an awareness of mind but again it's from the greater joining which has become for me a a, a real facilitator a portal into this experience of mind um 
He says, "Thus you separate the dreamer from the dream." I, I was having I was having trouble. You know, something in the play was had disturbed my awareness. You know, and and I was looking at some drama and and uh, just seeing, you know, studying the illusion of how the me get, you know, I get identified into a me and thinking that other people are something and 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 then when I start meditating on the greater joining it, it heals all that altar and suddenly i start to experience my brother or sister in all in the the truth of what they are and it says here the dream is but illusion in the mind uh, and with the mind you would unite but never with the dream and he's speaks of like I started here what you separate the dreamer from the dream and join in one but let the other go uh, it is the, the dream you fear and not the mind you see them as the same because you think that you are but a dream and what is real and what is but illusion in yourself you do not know and cannot tell apart and then the the morning went on, and, and that dawning of mind just started to grow. And it says, "Your mind and his are joined in brotherhood." And between your minds, there is no gap. And then again, it culminated with the Holy Spirit's vision, where it says, "The Holy Jesus says the Holy Spirit is in both your minds, and He is one." because there is no gap that separates his oneness from itself. The gap between your bodies matters not, for what is joined in him is always one. And, um, uh, and the Father comes to join his Son that the Holy Spirit joined. And then it says, the Holy Spirit's function is to take the broken picture of the Son of God and put the pieces into place again. This holy picture healed entirely does he hold out to every separate piece that thinks it is a picture in itself. To each he offers his identity, which the whole picture represents, instead of just a little broken bit that he insisted was himself. And then a little further on, I thank you, Father, knowing you will come to close each little gap that lies between the broken pieces of your Holy Son. Your holiness, complete and perfect, lies in every one of them. And they are joined because what is in one is in them all. Join not your brother's dreams, but join with him. And where you join his son, father is. But this communication of mind uh, is beyond the body. And uh, yet love's messengers, does it, they, they don't negate the experiences of time, space at all. You know, they, they, the love's messengers go out and see total harmony in the, in the dream around us. It, it's really startling. 
uh, even when we're loading cakes, you know, it's uh, it's quite beautiful. Anyway, th- uh, thank you, everybody. I, um, that's about thank it. you, Micah. Yeah, you're welcome. That was beautiful, Micah. Thank you, Micah. Thank you, Micah. You're welcome. (laughs) Well, thank you everyone who read today and everyone who shared. It's just a beautiful way to end a week this morning. And I'm so grateful. Um... I think to close the call this morning with a few paragraphs from Lesson 181, which is, I trust my brothers who are one with me. In this transformed perception, I think this lesson is really, really helpful. He says, perception has a focus. It is this which gives consistency to what you see change but this focus and what you behold will change accordingly your vision now will shift to give support to the intent which has replaced the one you held before remove your focus on your brother's sins and you experience the peace that comes from faith in sinlessness this faith receives its only sure support from what you see in others past their sins. For their mistakes, if focused on, are witnesses to sins in you, and you will not transcend their sight and see the sinlessness that lies beyond. Therefore, in practicing today, we first let all such little focuses give way to our great need to let our sinlessness become apparent. We instruct our minds that it is this we seek and only this for just a little while. We do not care about our future goals and what we saw an instant previous has no concern for us within this interval of time wherein we practice changing our intent. We seek for innocence and nothing else. We seek for it with no concern but now. So for a little while, without regard to past or future should such blocks arise we will transcend them with instructions to our minds to change their focus as we say it is not this I would look upon I trust my brothers who are one with me and we will use these thoughts to keep us safe throughout the day we do not ask for fantasies for what we seek to look on is really there and as our focus goes beyond mistakes we will behold a holy sinless world when seeing this is all we want to see when this is all we seek for in the name of true perception are the eyes of Christ inevitably ours and the love he feels for us becomes our own as well this will become the only thing we see reflected in the world and in ourselves the world which once proclaimed our sins becomes the proof that we are sinless and our love for everyone we look upon attests to our remembrance of the holy capital self 
which knows no sin and never could conceive of anything without its sinlessness. We seek for this remembrance as we turn our minds to practicing today. We look neither ahead nor backwards. We look straight into the present and we give our trust to the experience we ask for now. Our sinlessness is but the will of God. This instant is our willing one with his. Change but your focus. All the world will change accordingly. Amen. Thank you all. Thank you. Amen. Thank you all. Nice Thank you, everybody. Thank you, guys. God bless you.